0: So you see my medication has really gone on a roller coaster from just metformin, to metformin and farsiga, to metformin and farsiga and manjaro, to just farsiga and manjaro, to just manjaro, and right at the moment, nothing at all. So, we shall see how that goes. Hi, and welcome to the Solving Type 2 Diabetes Podcast. I'm Tom, and I'll be your host as I share what I'm doing in my daily life to solve my type 2 diabetes. Listen in as I share the food, movement, and tools that I'm using each day. This podcast is intended for entertainment purposes only. For a full transcript or to follow the Solving Type 2 Diabetes Podcast on social media, Please head over to SolvingType2Diabetes.com for all those links and more. Now, on to the show. Well, welcome to another episode. Thanks very much for joining me here. I'm happy that you're able to listen in again this week. This is the one-year anniversary episode of the Solving Type 2 Diabetes Podcast. One year ago, first week of September of 2022, I started this podcast. And I'm not sure if you've listened to all of the episodes since then, but they're out there, so you can certainly catch up. But I've been doing this now for one year. And I think back to when I started this podcast. And I started this podcast for two reasons, primarily was accountability for myself. That was, I'd say, the first reason I started this podcast. I figured it'd be a good way to chart my progress and also to stay accountable to myself and to you for how I'm solving my type two diabetes. But I also wanted to be able to share with you and let you know that if you're dealing with this diagnosis of type two diabetes, that you're not alone that there's others out there who are going through this day in and day out trying to figure out what's best for you and I'm trying to figure out what's best for me. So anyway, I'm glad you're here with me. There's now 50 episodes, original episodes, and in the last two weeks, because I was away on vacation, I figured I needed a little bit of a break, were two replay episodes. I hope I picked out two that you were able to enjoy again. Either way, I am very happy that you're here with me this week. Now I do have an announcement. In addition to being the anniversary episode, this is going to be, at least for a while, the last weekly episode. The Solving Type 2 Diabetes podcast is now switching to a bi-weekly format. So from now on, for at least a little while, I mean nothing's permanent, But for the time being, I'm going to put out a new podcast every other Monday. So this podcast is coming out on Labor Day. If you're here in the U.S., it's Labor Day Monday. And the next one will be out in two weeks. So I hope that is a format that works out for you. I hope you still listen. And uh, I think it's going to be a format that works out for me, at least for this upcoming uh, period of time. so let's take a look at my week or rather two weeks in review I did have two weeks 14 nights on Royal Caribbean's vision of the seas cruise ship it was actually two back-to-back cruises the first cruise was nine days and the second cruise was five days so for the first nine days for the first nine days I was sailing by myself well no one was in my immediate party there was well over a thousand people on the ship but I was the only one in my family that went that first nine days. And we had a first stop in Bermuda. That was overnight. So you get there around noon on one day and then you leave around noon the following day. And that's about the only place in the Caribbean that I know of where Royal Caribbean routinely stays overnight. And almost always, at least in my experience, when you go to Bermuda, you get to stay overnight. And some people stay on land they get a hotel or whatever for the night, a little change of pace. And for me, I don't really see myself doing that. I paid to be on the ship. The food's included on the ship. Most of the drink is included on the ship. So uh, for me to pay for uh, staying somewhere else is unusual if I'm already paying to stay uh, on the ship. But some people do that. And after our stop in Bermuda, we went down to the Bahamas, and we had a day in Nassau and then a day on Royal Caribbean's private destination Coco Key. They pronounce it Coco K. They like to say perfect day in Coco K. And it is really nice. It's a well-done private island and they have the, the largest freshwater pool in all of the Bahamas and they have some very very large water park style slides. They have calm and relaxing Little private beach club area. They have a lot of good food, a lot of good entertainment. So it's really a nice day there, a perfect day at Coco Cay. It's really enjoyable. And then we sailed back up to Baltimore. So that was the first nine days. Then for the second cruise, while I stayed on board and waited, my brother arrived. And he was able to sail with me the last five days. Now, we were originally supposed to go back to Bermuda. The second five days was just an overnight in Bermuda, and that got changed. Hurricane Franklin took precedence over us, and Hurricane Franklin went to Bermuda instead of us. So we went down to Nassau and Perfect Day once again. So I think that was an actual treat for my brother. He had never been to Perfect Day before on Cocoa Key, and he had been to Nassau many years ago, but it was a nice change of pace. He and I sailed to Bermuda last year, so this year we ended up, instead of going back to Bermuda, we ended up going down to the Bahamas. And we missed that one hurricane, but then there was another hurricane while we were down there that formed in the Gulf of Mexico, came across Florida, did a whole lot of damage in Florida, a lot of flooding in Georgia and South Carolina, But we, by that time, were one day ahead of it. So we were really sandwiched between two hurricanes on this five-day sailing. And it worked out well for us personally in that we had perfect weather every day, high 80s every day, sun, slight breeze, but nothing else. We had no effects from either hurricane, which, which worked out really well. So yeah, great sailing on Royal Caribbean as always. My next cruise, on Royal Caribbean, I'll actually be in their highest level of loyalty. It's the Pinnacle Club, and that'll be fun. That will get me free internet for the entire length of the voyage. And also, I guess they have drink vouchers, they have all kinds of different little benefits. But it's really nice to be recognized for, well, quite frankly, spending a lot of money sailing a whole lot on Royal Caribbean. But I do like that cruise line. So, on the cruise ship, I did bring along some protein supplements. I brought along some shakes and bars. I think I've mentioned in the past that sometimes on the cruise ship, it's hard to come by good meat sources of protein that I like. Now, they have meat at every meal. They literally have a carving station of full cuts of meat, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, as well as other types of meat. But, i don't know sometimes i find something that i'm really hungry for to be lacking so i do bring along some supplementation on the cruise and i have some every day and it helps out with that and i ended up not eating a whole lot and using my supplementation plus some other other good meals and of course i have my cappuccino every morning in the diamond lounge so i had good food and whatnot while i was cruising got in good walks out on deck or good walks on the islands every day and it was good a very good two weeks now my last dose of manjaro and if you want to know why it was my last dose that's explained about three episodes back the last live episode i did but anyway you'll find out if you haven't listened to go ahead back and listen to that but most of you know that my manjaro refill was denied by my insurance company because my a1c has improved well, ironic, I believe to large part it's because of the Manjaro that my A1C has improved, but we'll see what the future brings. Regardless, it has now been 11 days, or 12 days when this episode comes out, since my last dose of Manjaro. Now, I do have a doctor appointment in two weeks, I get fasting blood work next week, and then the week after I have a doctor's appointment, where we'll go over my current A1C, and that A1C will be with... The Manjaro alone, I stopped the Farsiga prior to the last A1C. So this one will be just the effects of my eating movement and the Manjaro, which has now stopped. So we shall see what the future brings. But I'm currently taking no medication as of right this minute, taking no medication for type two diabetes, which is a first for me in a few years, several years since I have not had any medication at all for the type 2 diabetes. So that's going to be interesting to see how that works out. And I'll ask you to stay tuned. And my next podcast will be right before that doctor's visit. But uh, we'll see how that goes. And I shall report to you. Let's take a look at the news right now. This first article is called Living Well with Type 2 Diabetes. And it says, with strategic lifestyle habits, you can not only manage your diabetes, but also lower your risk of common health issues that go along with the condition. So, what does this article talk about? Well, it talks about things that you can do to help mitigate your diagnosis of type 2 diabetes. And it says, consider the lifestyle pillars of type 2 diabetes management. And it asks, are you doing them? Do you have a short term and a long term management plan combining all aspects of care, lifestyle changes, things like that? Do you have health goals? Maybe your health goal is to limit your carbohydrate in- intake to a rational, reasonable level. Maybe it's moving, maybe it's wanting to compete in a 5K or just establishing a consistent sleep schedule. Do you understand what your blood sugar readings mean? Are you measuring your blood sugar? Are you taking appropriate medications? Like I say, right now, right this moment, I'm not taking any. But if you do these things, according to your care team and what they're recommending, you can actually limit the effects of some of these side effects, as we all know, heart disease, kidney disease, problems with vision, problems with circulation, things like that, that often come with a diagnosis of type two diabetes. So it's a good basic general article, something we can look at and actually, I think, learn from. This next article is called Steps to Take When Your Diabetes Treatment No Longer Seems to be Working. Well, hopefully you do not find yourself in that situation, that your treatment plan is not leaving you with uncontrolled blood sugar, but it's, it's always possible. So there are some signs that you should look out for, according to this article, on when you might need to switch up your treatment plan. And that includes large blood sugar fluctuations. Your blood sugar is no longer being held within range. Maybe your readings are going very, very high and then dramatically dipping down low. Some of the physical things you could notice are numbness in your hands or your feet. Maybe you're getting changes in your vision or swelling in your legs or ankles or feet. Maybe you're getting a lot of headaches or perhaps your wounds aren't healing like they used to. These are all signs that you might need to speak to your doctor about changing up your treatment plan and that's something that I strongly recommend is constant communication with your medical team. And sometimes it's necessary to change up that uh, medical team. But that's something you should consider. But don't always think that your treatment plan that you're on now will continue to necessarily work well into the future. Okay, here's an article called, People with Type 2 Diabetes may want to avoid these kinds of foods even if they're, and this is in quotation marks, healthy. So what are some things that you might want to avoid while you're trying to solve your type 2 diabetes. Now this starts off with ultra-processed foods, and we have talked about this over and over, but it's important. More and more studies are finding, in fact there's new research cited here, published just last month in the American Journal of Clinical Nutrition, and they found that higher consumption of these ultra-processed foods was associated with higher cardiovascular disease for people with type two diabetes, even when the person's diet quality was otherwise considered healthy. So simply adding in these ultra-processed foods. Now what's an ultra-processed food? Well, it's something that's no longer in the same recognizable form as it when it came from nature. For example, while a Dorito may have corn in it, perhaps it in no way shape or form resembles corn it has been ground down to a powder and then mixed in large quantities with various fats salts sugars and other flavoring to make it hyper palatable in other words it tastes extra good and it's addictive it's these kind of ultra processed foods that are designed that are engineered to make you eat more and more than you ever would just normally eat of the natural food itself. And it's these types of foods that are causing people found in these studies to be very harmful even if other portion of your what you eat, your diet, is considered healthy. So certainly something to watch out for. Alright, let's take a look at one more article This article is entitled, Four Workouts That Help Manage Your Type 2 Diabetes. Now, if you've been listening to me for a while, you know that I am a strong advocate of movement. Past couple of days, I got in some really nice long walks, not Olympic workouts or anything else like that, just nice long walks. I went on two different trails, one with each of two of my daughters, and we had just a nice, enjoyable time. Yet, it was enough to get in a good, solid, let's say, hour, hour and a half of movement that was also enjoyable. But they're saying here that regular exercise has been shown to have a profound effect on diabetes management, even with physical and mental shifts related to getting older. So just because you're older, and all of us are older than we used to be, that's just how it works. But just because you're older does not mean that this type of movement cannot be helpful. So the first one they cite here is aerobic exercise. And now aerobic exercise is exercise that gets your heart rate up. It's something that maybe makes you not being able to speak consistently and and continually like I'm doing now. It maybe makes you take a breath and maybe you don't get out a full sentence, but that's aerobic exercise. People think of walking or jogging or even jumping jacks is an aerobic exercise. The other is strength training. This is really important if you want to maintain your muscle. Strength training usually involves lifting weights of some sort, but it can also be with your own body weight. For example, doing a burpee. If you're familiar with burpees, it's where you're standing, and then you go down to the ground, your chest touches the ground, you jump back up. Sometimes folks throw a clap of their hands over their head, but you do that repeatedly, and that not only is a great aerobic exercise, but getting down to the ground and then getting your body weight back up off the ground to a standing upright position, that's a body weight exercise that can also improve your strength, so it's great. The third one is yoga. Yoga is great for the mind. It also is great for flexibility, range of motion, things like that. And it has been shown to definitely influence, positively influence stress reduction. And that, that stress reduction can help with glucose control. And finally, and this might be maybe the ultimate, if you will, interval or circuit training. So interval training can be thought of as maybe briskly loping up a set of stairs and then coming back down and then briskly loping up a set of stairs again. Maybe not sprinting, maybe not all out, but maybe just quicken the pace. But then putting an interval of that intermixed with an interval of something that's maybe less stressful, like say walking down a set of stairs. Or circuit training where you do one form of movement and then you do that for maybe a minute or two and then you go to the next and then you go to the next and then maybe you go back to the first and you repeat that in a circuit. But basically what it says here is no matter what exercise you choose, ramp up gradually, walk before you run, do body weight exercises before you start throwing around iron, and maybe do five or 10 minutes of simple yoga before you get in for maybe an hour of the hot yoga or something like that. So start gradually, but keep going. I think that's what's most important. So as today's topic, and I mentioned this in the last live episode I had now uh, three weeks ago, I guess, but I want to talk about what changes have happened to myself over this past year. We've been doing this podcast now together, you and I, for one year now. So I'm not sure exactly how you have changed. I'd love to hear how you have changed. I'd love you to write in and tell me the things that are changing with your efforts to solve your type 2 diabetes. But for me here, I can share a couple things. First of all, my A1C. A1C is, is a blood test that you take. It, it's, it measures your uh, blood, your hemoglobin, and how much of that has been affected by sugar. So it's a measurement of that. The, I forget the word slipping right now. Are you shouting at your phone telling me what the word is? Glycated, that's it. Glycated hemoglobin. It's a measurement of your red blood cells and the damage that is, is, is existing because of high blood sugar. So anyway, it's a number. And anything above, say, 6.4 in the U.S. measurement scale, anything above a 6.4 is considered type 2 diabetic. Anything above a 5.7 is considered pre-diabetic. So there's a little window in there, but below below 5.7 is considered normal. Well, when my efforts here with this podcast started a year ago, my most recent A1c was 7.0. So it was solidly in the type 2 diabetes range. Now, years before, it had been as high as 11 or 12. But a year ago, my A1c was 7.0. Now, most recently, my measurement, taken about three months ago, was 5.0, which is below the pre-diabetes range. So in one year, it went from 7.0 to 5.0, which is is fabulous, I'm extremely happy with that. Unfortunately, it was that 5.0 reading that got my Manjaro denied, because they said I was no longer even pre-diabetic. We'll see how that goes. For as my weight, about a year ago, my weight was 226 pounds. Now I'm a six foot tall man, 226, and now it is 190. So that's 36 pounds in one year, which again I'm very happy with. And half of that was before I started Manjaro last December, and half of that has been since. I really haven't lost or gained any weight since about May of this year, so September to December, I lost about half, and December to May, I lost the other half, and then I've been holding fairly steady, plus or minus two or three pounds at any given time, but right at about 190. Now, the whirlwind of changes has happened with medication. When I first started this, I was only on metformin. Taking metformin, I took 1,000 milligrams twice a day. And that was having a A1C of 7.0, still firmly in the type 2 diabetes range. So the metformin by itself was not doing it. So I suggested to my doctor, and she agreed to add Farsiga. Farsiga eliminates excess blood sugar through the kidneys. So with the metformin and the Farsiga, well, last December or so, I I got the A1C down to 6.0. So that was clearly working better than just the metformin alone. That's about the time I started Monjaro. Now, after about six weeks of taking metformin and Farcega and Monjaro, it was evident to me that I just did not need the metformin anymore. I did a little experiment, stopped taking it for a couple weeks, and my A1C read on my continuous glucose monitor. Didn't change, so it didn't get better or worse. So I figured, well, if the metformin is not helping my A1C, I might as well stop it. And my doctor agreed. So for about five months, I was using just Farcega and Monjaro. And then when I had that measured in, I guess it was April, or yeah, end of April, beginning of May, that's when my A1C was 5.0, with the Farsiga and the Manjaro. So my doctor stopped the Farsiga at that point, and I sort of agree, there's really probably no need for both. And now, up until a week and a half ago, I was just taking the Manjaro. And in about a week or so, when I get my blood work done, we'll see what that A1C is with just the Manjaro. But of course now I'm taking nothing at all. So you see my medication has really gone on a roller coaster from just Metformin, to Metformin and Farsiga, to Metformin and Farsiga and Manjaro, to just Farsiga and Manjaro, to just Manjaro, and right at the moment, nothing at all. So. We shall see how that goes. There's more to tell on that story, I'm sure, coming up, but those are the those are the major changes that I think I want to make sure I, I share with you over the past year. In addition to spending a whole lot of time doing a podcast. Okay, so this is the point where we look at your questions. And you're saying, Tom, how do you get our questions? Well, let me tell you. I am, first of all, happy and excited whenever I get in a question, comment, or feedback on the podcast. If you would like to weigh in, if you would like to have your thoughts known, please let me know. There's two ways to do that. The first is to send an email directly to me at tom at solvingtype2diabetes.com. That's my email address at solvingtype2diabetes.com, and I'll get the email, I'll read it on the air, and I'll be happy to answer your question or take in your comment or feedback, even a topic for a, an upcoming episode. The other way is to go to the website, solvingtype2diabetes.com, and click on Feedback. There's a little form, you can fill that out, and that's what happened this week, Stephen from Glendale our good friend of the show Stephen from Glendale we've heard from him before it's always a pleasure and he sends in this this week hi Tom this is more of a comment than a question your mention of your insurance company denying your prescription request for Manjaro is surprising yet not surprising it's astounding to me that medications that are prescribed to help keep you healthy are often denied because it did the job it's supposed to do and or are cost prohibitive. I'll soon be going on an AARP United Healthcare Medicare Advantage plan and the cost of two of my medications Jardiance and Ozempic are considered Tier 3 with Tier 1 being the least costly generic for instance with Tier 4 the highest. I'm not even including the Freestyle Libre 3, which is not even listed on their website, which will probably be denied as well. My out-of-pocket annual costs for Jardiance and Ozempic are expected to be close to $3,000 a year. I just looked up the Dexcom G7 on the United Healthcare website and the estimated annual cost is $1,707. So if I were to stay on these three meds and the Dexcom G7, it'll cost me about $5,000 per year. And he puts an exclamation point behind that, as it should be. My current insurance, Empire Blue Cross Blue Shield, which I get through my wife who is still working until August 31st, charges $10 for Ozempic for a three-month supply. Jardiance, $10 for a three-month supply and the Freestyle Libre 3, $40 for a three-month supply. I also checked Blue Cross Blue Shield for Dexcom G7. It's the same as the Libre 3, $40 for a three-month supply. As you can see, the discrepancy is enormous. I'm going to have to give up Jardiance and the Libre 3 and go back to fingersticks. Why are we, who are living on fixed incomes, charged so much more than the insurance you get at work and need it the most. Sure, Jardians, one of the ten medications that are subject to price negotiations in Medicare that were announced today, won't take effect until 2026 if we're lucky. Seriously, why so long? Somebody's pockets are being lined. As my wife said, it's all about the money. I apologize for ranting. But now that we're retired as of August 31st, this is going to hurt financially and physically. As always, we look forward to your next podcast, Stephen. Well, thank you very much for writing in, Stephen. Thank you for sharing that. And congratulations to your wife for her retirement now, I guess, five days in the making. So congratulations on that. And yes, I feel your pain. I literally understand where you're coming from. With the Manjaro, my cost jumped from $25 to $250 for the last box of my last refill, and now, of course, it's denied. My Libre 3s are about $225 for a three-month supply. Now, when I was taking the Farcega, that was about $40 for a three-month supply, and the Metformin, I think, is free. You get what you pay for. But I certainly understand your, your pain here. It does not seem right that just depends on what insurance company your employer or your retirement plan has picked that dictates whether you're spending hundreds or thousands of dollars every month for your medication to keep yourself healthy. And yes, I know, I agree, it is ironic that something that was prescribed to me and is doing its job is, is denied now because it's doing its job. I can't figure that out either. But Stephen, I appreciate your writing in. I certainly feel your pain brother on this one. It's something I'm dealing with and I'll, I'll keep you posted on how it's going with me and please, please keep me posted on how it's going with you. If you have similar issues and you would like to write in and share, please do so. Again, the website is solvingtype2diabetes.com. Just click on Feedback. And if you could also share this episode with someone that you care about, I certainly would appreciate that. Okay, so what is next? What is coming up on the next episode? And again, the next episode will be in two weeks. But I want to talk to you about enjoying Walt Disney World with type 2 diabetes. I'll be headed down to Walt Disney World. It is my 60th birthday coming up here in just a few weeks. It's my 60th birthday, and I will be recording the next episode just before we head out to Walt Disney World. So I'm lucky enough to be down there with a large part of my family, and we'll be enjoying ourselves. There's lots to eat, lots to do, and I want to tell you how I am able to enjoy Walt Disney World probably about once a year or so. This year, it'll actually be twice. I was down there in June with another part of my family and going down now this month with yet another part of my family. So I'm lucky and I'm able to do that, but I want to tell you how to do it safely and with health, even though you're solving your type 2 diabetes. Well, that wraps up another episode of the Solving Type 2 Diabetes podcast. I hope you found it valuable. Please follow and leave a five-star review as it helps other people find the podcast. By subscribing, you ensure you won't miss the next episode. You can always get a full transcript of the episode at SolvingType2Diabetes.com. There, you also find the links to leave feedback and links to follow on social media. I'm very interested in hearing from you with comments and suggestions. Thanks very much for listening. Please remember that everything I share is just from my own personal experience and should not be taken as medical or health advice. Please consult your own medical professionals. This podcast is intended for entertainment purposes only.